And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And welcome back to Power Hour, the Athletics Tuesday National College Football Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Nicole Auerbach. And I am thrilled to be joined by my friend and colleague, Michael Felder from Stadium, to break down the biggest storylines in college sports this week in an hour or less. And Felder, it is talking season, which is something we like to do ourselves. Do we like to hear other people talk, though? That's really the question. Yeah, no, I actually, um, I spent a bunch of time writing questions for Mountain West Media Days recently uh, because, but I did get out of going to them, but wrote some questions for the crew that we're sitting out there. And obviously we got SEC Media Days going on. We've got the Big Tens coming up and obviously Mac, every, everything. It's all happening right now. Like the season, it feels obviously more normal than a year ago. And there's more in-person stuff happening. So yeah, it is, you're, you're, I think you hit the nail on the head. It is talking season. It is. And I'm proud of you for not having to go. I know that that is the most challenging part of the pandemic right now, that things are open again and you have to leave your house. So proud of you, proud of you. Um, and we will, and we'll get into, we'll get into a lot of these media days. Um, we'll give us a lot to talk about over the next couple of weeks. We'll mostly hit on SEC and a little ACC today since they're this week. Um, and, and I thought it was interesting. I mean, Greg Sankey always does a state of the SEC press conference and talks about, you know, Bob Dylan and stuff and sports writers get all riled up about, you know, any music references that yes. they recognize and all that stuff usually happens. Um, it, it felt like he was pretty strategic about what he was saying this year. He was, you know, taking aim at the NCAA and, you know, he has an enforcement background. So just you know, the, the mess is over there lack of leadership, that, you know, we need to reimagine kind of how this works. Nothing that people haven't been saying for years and months, especially, but, you know, it means a lot when the SEC commissioner is saying it out loud. And then I think the the stuff about forfeits was was pretty interesting, Felder. I, I guess I've been expecting this from all the conferences, but basically saying, like, you guys got to get vaccinated because you're not going to get a no contest. Like, this is going to count as a loss. It's going to count as a forfeit if you don't have enough players to play because of contact tracing, because of a bunch of positives, because the vaccine is widely accessible. So I think that message also coming from the SEC and, like, the SEC backs the vax and, like, all this marketing, you know, hopefully is is going to work and hopefully will avoid disruptions because I think that's what everyone's nervous about now heading into the season. It does feel a lot more normal, but there's still a risk of having what happened with NC State baseball in the College World Series, really anything that could derail an individual team's season. So I, I thought those were some some key points from, from Sankey and then obviously the, the gloating about how many national championships they play for and all the other usual stuff. No, yeah, I, I think that... I mean, at the end of the day, nobody 
especially if you're involved with the conference, you don't want a four game team, right? <laughs> like you don't want, and especially if it's not that team's fault. And and I guess maybe the four game team is not the team that is not the team that you're the most worried about. It's the team that's could be an eight game team, but then they lose two games because of those four game teams. And so basically they're saying, Hey, you know what? We're going to give them a win. I am curious to see how that works out in reality and how people view that in reality, but they're laying down the law with the the idea of, Hey man, you're going to have to play these games uh, or you need to be able to play these games. It's probably a more accurate way of stating it. You need to be able to play these games. And if you can't, that is a you thing and you will be penalized. And I think that's kind of my biggest takeaway from that. Yeah. And I think the incentive it, incentivizing it that way should work. Um, coaches framing it as a competitive disadvantage to not be at these thresholds, to, to not have, right. you know, the, the, the policies change, I think could work. So i um, interested to see how that goes. I think we're going to hear that message from a lot of other leagues as well as we get closer here because we didn't make it to talking season last year. So this is all um, good and exciting, but I do think people are you know, still aware that you know, things can still be dicey at times, as we saw in the College World Series. Um, but it was fun to it was fun to you know actually talk about football again, like to get all the uh, the dumb questions. I'm just going to call them that because that's what happens at media days. But it was just, it was just it was refreshing to hear people drone on and on about um, you know their their clothes and how they feel about the running backs and if anyone's going to catch Alabama and like, you know, all that stuff was very normal and, and good to hear. But Felder, when I watch SEC media days, when I think about the SEC, especially at this time of year where, you know, we're still like, is this going to be it for Georgia? Is this going to be it for Florida? Like can LSU bounce back? Like all these kind of macro questions. The only macro question I have is, can anyone give Alabama a game? Can anyone catch Alabama? And I feel like you are the perfect person to give me a reason to buy stock in someone that is not Alabama. And it doesn't have to be in the SEC because I don't want to limit you here. But I need to get invested in someone that we think can actually challenge them because I'm getting a little tired, not in a negative way, just from a you know total respect to Nick Saban way, getting a little tired of just how they reload and how they're always really good. And I need to imagine that there's someone out there that can challenge them. See, I, watching this level of, like, this is Jordan, the Jordan, the, the Bulls and Jordan, right? It just happens to be that Jordan's on the sideline coaching. So I love it. But if we're talking to anyone that can challenge it, we'll start in the SEC. I think that JT Daniels, if... They let him throw the ball down the field to George Pickens. Now we got now we got something. Now we have a problem that you have to deal with. I think Florida's going to be really interesting with Emory Jones, who's finally going to get his shot to really take over that entire offense. And I think Dan Mullen's going to be pretty happy with what Emory can bring to him. So those are the two I would pick if I'm in the SEC. I still don't. I know that AM has got three guys that could be day one, day two draft picks. But I don't know what they're going to do about the quarterback situation. So we'll see what happens, right? They got some young guys that haven't played a lot. Nationally, obviously, everyone's with Clemson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have to. We don't have to belabor that point. Clemson's certainly going to be in the discussion. Ohio State's certainly going to be in the discussion. I am 
very Oklahoma as well is going to be in that discussion. I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma could be the most terrifying team in the country uh, if you're a defensive coordinator. And that's, I, 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 I've been working on this point hour back for a while, and I don't know how to say it yet. But if you can scare a team, if your offense is terrifying, you become a problem that defensive coordinators don't like to solve. And that's what Oklahoma is going to be. I don't think that they're going to fix that defense just yet. They're going to get closer. That- so what's going to be – but here, here's – again, I'm looking for – playing devil's advocate, looking for holes to poke into things. Yeah. What's different? Because we have been scared of Lincoln Riley's offense in the past. I don't think I don't think I well, I think a couple things are different. I think that he has a perfect blend at quarterback. It's a it's a it's it's he put Baker and, and Kyler in a blender and kind of shook them up together. And Spencer Rattler brings that quality. He's not a runner like Kyler, not for sure, but he's a better runner than Baker Mayfield. And that's a little dangerous. And let's not forget, Oklahoma was a George. This goes back to when we talked about Georgia just a second ago. Oklahoma was a Georgia coming out of their shell away from going to the national championship game. They went out there and put it on them. They put it on Georgia in the first half for the first probably 30, almost 40 minutes of that game. And then Georgia was like, oh, scoring is the thing we have to do. So, Still one of the best games of the playoff era, that one. Ugh, I hated it. Too much points. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. No, no, I'm, I, I'm with you. I think it, it, there, there's these teams, and we talk about this, right? Like there's that Clemson, um, Alabama, Ohio State tier, and then there's the tier right below. And they're, they're knocking on that door and they need to break through. Like Oklahoma needs to win a playoff game, yep. as we've talked about relentlessly. 
And and Georgia needs to just be a little bit more consistent and get there more. Like we, we know they have the talent year in and year out to do it, but it's a couple of plays here and there or yes, or non plays. That's or the- non plays. I was gonna say inexplicably not throwing the ball or not going for you know, a real first down on a third down play in a pivotal moment or, you know, whatever it might be, like not going for the wins, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think you've got to think that that's going to change. You've got to think that you, that they can make that adjustment, especially with JT Daniels. In, in a league that right now, and we'll get into this a little bit because I think it's, it's kind of telling, um, as a benchmark that only three quarterbacks came to SEC media days this week. Mm-hmm. And again, like it's up to each coach, whatever, but – that certainly says something about kind of the state of quarterbacks and transitions in a number of places. And if you have one of those guys and you have JT Daniels, we saw what he was able to do in the back half of last year. Let him do it. Let him cook and see what happens. Um, so, I, so I'm with you. I, I think I buy Georgia more than I buy anyone else in the SEC right now mm-hmm. as, you know, a foil to Alabama. But I'm with you in Oklahoma too. I think that this is going to be a team that, you know, we're going to have to make like you know, playoff picks, national championship picks, might be tempted to do it because, again, I, I think there's some people who don't trust them in the playoff, don't trust the defense. But this feels like a year where you might be able to catch somebody with someone a little younger. Yes, still a five-star guy at a Clemson sure. or an Alabama, but maybe a little younger. Um, and I just think Spencer Rattler is going to be really good. And I love, uh, I love, I'm a, I'm a yeah. huge, I'm a humongous Spencer Rattler fan. Have been for a while. Have been since. He was playing high school football, and I was like, oh, this kid's got juice. So, yeah, I, I love him. And I uh, would be remiss if we did not mention the Pac-12, and I think realistically, with Shuck gone from Oregon, I think Oregon's still probably the best team in that league. And we're going to see what we get from Keaton Slovis. And then, obviously, uh, what happens with Jaden Daniels at, at – at, at Arizona State and what Arizona, what's going to happen to Arizona State anyways, because they got a lot of stuff going on right now. So I, I, I'm curious about that. But for me, I think that probably Oregon is the team that you have to pick if you have to pick a team out of that league, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, until other people prove trustworthy yeah. enough to pick them. So I, I, I agree. And I, and I do think that this is an Oregon team that – we will at least not ignore. Yeah. And, and not we, not you. We know you love to stay up and, and watch, watch all your West Coast Come football. Come on, but... Kayvon Thibodeau all day. He just had to deal with Tinker Hatfield. Tinker Hatfield, the king of sneakers? Come on. I don't... I mean, he has had some awesome deals. He is getting some Heisman buzz. You love to see it. Yes. So we will get into some of those teams a little bit more, but... Sticking in the Pac-12, um, as we get into talking season, one of the storylines is always, you know, hot seat coaches and kind of how they're mm-hmm. handling the pressure. And, you know, Clay Helton's basically been living that world for like three years now. Honestly, really, since he's been um, yeah. head coach. And I- I'm curious how that's going to play out this year heading into the season. Um, and again, you know, what is realistic? What is something that they can shoot for? What is his his role, what it, what makes fans happy. I just keep thinking about when they do tweets and they like lock them so that people can't reply because they know the fan base is so upset that he's still the head coach. But in each circumstances, when they've made the decision, you can make a case for keeping him. Yeah. Still, it's the hottest hot seat. If we're going to use that term in the country, you've got to think. I, ooh, I don't, I mean, listen, going back to your, going to your spot, Michigan too, right? 
<laughs> okay, those are yeah. They're probably they're probably. And, and then we can throw in Scott Frost in Nebraska, especially now that he lost his AD. So, okay, yeah. we got a three-way tie. We got a three-way yeah. tie. I, um, the, the interesting thing for me with USC is they are a, they're in a very Miami space as well. Um, where And I'm not saying Manny Diaz is on the hot, same hot seat. What I'm saying is they occupy this space where a lot of that vocal fan base that you mentioned – aren't people that give money to the school. And so it's a lot of chatter, but in theory, maybe it doesn't matter because the people that give the money are the ones that make the decisions. The people that work there are the ones that make the decisions. And while they are, you know, LA's college team, just cause you're, just cause you're from LA and you can, you can chat about it and talk about it and you go to the games or whatever it is, doesn't mean you they have the same sway as a place like um, like Nebraska or like Clemson or like Auburn even Auburn's probably the one I would mention the most because all those people went to school there they they give money they pull the I, I think I think that's probably true with Michigan and Nebraska too more much more so than that or even if they didn't go there they're donating they're involved yeah. michigan's got a lot of different factions it's very political and confusing but i think that's part of what makes those situations with a former player yeah. the guy you wanted the white whale yeah much more awkward because the people invested yeah. are people who've been invested in these programs for a long time and probably when these guys were playing right like it's probably been in their family mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes awkward, it, it, you know, this idea of kind of essentially giving these guys a blank check to get them back and then trying to hold them accountable for results. So, you know, yeah. I, I think those are those are hot seats. Um, one of the ones that I think is is hot, but I'm not sure people are talking about it this way. And I could definitely tell based on like kind of the tone at SEC media days that people are still kind of going like all oh, shucks, goofy coach. O. yeah. But Ed Orgeron is 100% on a hot seat. I mean, they fell off a cliff after winning a national championship. They, they lost a lot of players. A lot of guys went pro. Yep. A lot of guys opted out. Absolutely. Factors. They've got investigations going on um, into Title IX yep. and handling of, you know, uh, sexual misconduct claims. There's a, lot of, there's a lot going on at LSU right now. And it definitely is a hot seat situation because from even just from a football standpoint. Yep. And I think you, you can sort of tell that he gets that, but I don't know if his his response was like, well, I'm just going to do it my way. It's going to work. That's how he handled the questions about that and how you bounce back and how you respond from a season like they just had. And I don't know if that's the right way to do it because I think some of the issues that have popped up have been his – he's been too involved in both sides of the ball. Yep. And that's led to some of these problems. So I I, I think that's a weird, uh, maybe not the approach I would take in that particular situation within a real, in, in an actual pressure cooker situation. I, you did it your way at Ole Miss. It didn't work. Let's do it somebody else's way. And uh, just speaking from a football standpoint, I also think that being equipped to handle the monumental task and i'm not gonna i'm not because i don't want to downplay this like the title nine violations are a very serious deal that's real that's real people being hurt and real people having problems and 
that's not an all shucks thing. That's a, we got to focus and handle this thing. And so it's just, I don't know. I think when I think about it, I think like who, let me put it this way. We we're obviously seeing Urban Meyer. He's not doing great at it right now, but we see him go to the NFL. We see it in college basketball. College basketball coaches flirt with the NFL all the time, right? Coach K to the Lakers, not going to happen. Coach K coaching Team USA. Okay, this is fantastic. We see Calipari go to the NBA. We see these guys be sought after. The big thing for me with Ogeron is nobody else wants him. And when that's your lot in life, you have to really kind of look at what you're doing and figure out a way to maximize who you are. And I think that Dabo's a guy who's done that. And he's done it by figuring out a way, figuring out a way to manage things. I think Orgeron did do that for a season. And it's almost like he did it for a season, then he was like, oh, I am a genius. And I think you have to fit you have to know who you are i think knowing yourself is the most important part and if you i, I mean we'll see what happens i mean this is a team i looked at the schedule i was looking at lsu schedule the other day and like why am i confident about them winning more than eight games because they have really good players sure they had really good players a year ago and that didn't work out great got bo polini fired so i don't know i just it's I don't mean to talk in circles, but I think with Orgeron, I think he's maybe not as smart as he thinks he is. And I'll kind of pivot here. I also think that Jimbo is somebody that we should be looking at. Because at some point you gotta win some of these games, right? Like you gotta beat Alabama. They didn't pay you, they didn't pay you $75 million to to not beat Alabama. To be fair, it's guaranteed money, so they paid it no matter what was going to happen. Sure, but they, in, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, like, in, like, yeah, they didn't give you this money to lose to them every year, right? I mean, how many years can we say, you know, A and M has one of the toughest schedules in the country, and they played these teams well? Yes, exactly. That's what we say every year. Every year. Every year. So at some point, Jim, like, people are going to be like, "Hey, man." I'm tired of losing to, like, you, With at the level that they're paying him, at the level that they're recruiting, at the level that they have played in other contests in terms of the way they played, you know, the way they've played other teams, it should not be every year you get your schedule and it, your, and your, your goal is to go 11-1. and one. Does Jimbo get it done? Does he beat Alabama at AM? Does he contend for SEC West championships and not just finish third in the division? I I don't know. I mean, the quarterback spot is going to be interesting this year, obviously. Uh, but I just I again, and this goes back to I, I just don't I think Nick Saban's smarter than him. And he's he's better, and he's the like the reality is he's the best. He's the best that's ever lived it. He's the best that's ever done it. He's willing to change. He's willing to modify. And no, I don't think I don't think Jimbo's going to beat him. Like they beat Kevin Sumlin beat him, and he beat him because he had a 
a freak quarterback that, and it was right before Nick Saban realized he needed to change. But, I mean, if we're in, I don't know, this is a stupid tangent, but the reality is, is Johnny Manziel, Deshaun Watson, I'll throw Steven Garcia and even Chad Kelly in there. They completely changed the Alabama football program and approach to football. Yep. And I think everyone is suffering from it because now Nick Saban understands. So, yeah, I mean, I just, those those are the two I would throw from the SEC I would put in there. It's going to be interesting. I am, I'm very curious to see, like, outside of the SEC, and I know ACC media days are going on as well. I'm very curious to see Manny Diaz and how that I works. Don't, do, do we, I don't know if that one's like a hot seat. No. It, it, that one's just, no. I, I think. Not a hot seat. I'm just curious to see. Yes. Curious to see progress. Because I think people are itching for progress. And he, I think people are itching for progress there, Florida State. Like they, oh, they, yeah. they just, oh, goodness. <laughs> just a lot of impatience. Now, obviously, Florida State's in a more dire situation, but like there are there's just this 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 hunger for someone else in the ACC. Like we we crunched the numbers, you know, when we got that 12 team playoff proposal about yeah. if this had existed the last seven years, you know, who would be in the best position? ACC is at the worst position. Out of the Power Five, because you only have one contender yeah. ever. And I think that's part of the reason people are putting eggs in the basket at North Carolina and Mac. And, sure. you know, we talk ourselves into Miami sometimes. You need Virginia Tech to be good. That's another one for a hot seat, uncomfortable spot. I mean, that's it. Virginia Tech is. And I don't remember who texted me this. Somebody, oh no, somebody sent me a JT. This guy, JT, sent me a DM. He's like, growing up, would you ever imagine that? UNC would beat Virginia Tech in Blacksburg? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> no chance. Are you kidding me? <laughs> when I was a sophomore in college, we lost to, we lost to them 33-3 to on a very cold night. <laughs> it's no. And so that it's, the, it's not that the mystique is gone. It's that the, the program isn't as good. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on Virginia Tech. They're one of those teams that was on the list with, like, Ohio State for winning 10 games in a row. For ten win seasons in a row, and going to a bowl every year like that was crazy. So yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I it, uh, and the Mac Brown of it all. I was wrong on Mac Brown. I didn't know if he. I didn't think he was going to work, but Mac Brown does something. And I know obviously you've had Chris Chris Vanini's been on the show before, and he did an article about Texas high school recruiting and the whole deal. But Mac Brown's really good at that stuff too. He makes those coaches feel like they're wanted. He makes it, those coaches feel like he cares. He connects with them. He keeps people on staff, and he treats folks right. And I think that goes a long way for UNC because they're keeping more kids in state than they've been than they have since I don't know. Mac Brown was there before. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Directv with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Directv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Directv has the most MLB games. Visit Directv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Spotify. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We're going to do a special Power Hour pod with both you and Chris Vanini to talk about that Texas. I, I, I loved our Recruiting Confidential series. I thought it was super fascinating. But the Texas one in particular, I was dying. Yeah. These coaches and the self-importance and the Ego. Santa quote and all this stuff. Yeah. So we're going to get into that next week on Power Hour. Um, but I think that you made a really good point about Mac and part of the reason that people didn't think it was going to work and, you know, just sort of didn't give him the benefit of the doubt and the hire because he had been out of college football. So much of these jobs comes down to communicating. Yeah. And like what you just said, letting people feel like they matter, feel like you genuinely are listening. You remember stuff about them. You care. And that's essentially what the Texas high school coaches were saying when they're saying like, we want to feel important. We want to feel like we're part of the process. And Mac has done that. And I think that's why you've seen the recruiting turn around so quickly in North Carolina. And again, this isn't going to be the hottest of takes, but I am super excited to see North Carolina. Like when you look at the ACC in particular of who we want to see, I want to see them and I want to see Boston College. Yeah. I think Boston College is poised for a really big year. And those linebackers half- are good. Linebackers are good. The quarterback is good. He's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in that league. Like, those are te- – I'm, I'm, again, it's that tier, right? I feel like I did a bunch of ACC state of the programs, and, the, the, you know, you kind of get to the bottom, and you're like, all right, like, what is the state of the program? What You know, what is your prediction? And the question for so many of them is trying to get closer to Clemson. What does that even look like? Right. What is, what is a step forward? And a lot of those programs are, you know, I think this could be that year to take that step. Uh, but I'm really excited when you see North Carolina, Sam Howell, that offense. We talk about offenses we like that the defensive coordinators don't want to face. Um, so those are my two out of the ACC. Uh, obviously, want to see DJ and, and Clemson sure. and you know how that looks. Hopefully, Justin Ross is back and all that. But BC and hopefully and North Xavier Carolina. Thomas is back. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Like literally, I don't think there's a player who came in as a five star was super involved in that national championship season. Then we get to, obviously, we get to the COVID. He catches COVID, and then he just has disappeared. And no one has said anything about him. And that's that's a thing for me. Like, I don't know. Do you have some inside intel on that? I know you, you, you talked to, to Grace. Like, I don't, I don't, like, it's it's wild. Because he was, I'll never forget, I one of my friends is an NFL scout, and he said, this is during the Christian Wilkins, uh, Cleveland Fair, like all the, that year. He said, "Hey, man, I think that the freshman's the best one out of all of them." And uh, yeah, I yeah, I think I think everyone's hopeful yeah. that he'll be back. This, this is the uncertainty of yeah. COVID and how it impacts bodies. Um, but you know, I, I think we'll get a lot more clarity on that yeah. in in Justin Ross and exactly where they are, you know, sure. in fall camp probably. But, you know, I think we'll get some from Dabo this week. We'll get some, you know, indications. But, yeah, I mean, I think I think the ACC is 
possibly going to be more interesting than we expect. I mean, a lot of this is actually going to come down to, and again, we hate this in the playoff era and the way that we frame the seasons, but it's going to come down to if Clemson beats Georgia right. and just sort of like how that maneuvers, what that means for the rest of the league. But, yep. um, but you know, I, I, like, I'm excited for that. Another thing that interests me about North Carolina is how adamant that program has been how vocal they've been against the 12 team playoff, which I want to know more about. I want to know, you know, are they having team-wide conversations? Talk to me more about the wear and tear. We've talked about this. We've talked about adding games. We've talked about the way this would be structured, but it's so curious that it's been so united from this program. And that Mac had been someone who had been a proponent of an 18 playoff, had been a proponent of expanding this thing and engaging more throughout the season but that's another storyline as we, again, you know, dive more into talking season. That's something I want them to talk about. Yeah. I, I listen, Mac's making me happy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. Like, <laughs> listen, you, you keep kids in state. You keep, uh, you, you hire Dre Bly, who's a legend. You do all this stuff. And then also you're not a fan of the 12 team playoff. I, I dig it. I think that honestly, I think that he's looking at it from the point of view of y- <laughs> I want us to be good, actually good. Eight teams, because with eight teams, we're all, what we're all thinking about is automatic bids, right, for conference champs. Twelve now becomes, I don't know, a beauty pageant or what, what have you. But he's he's looking at it from the perspective. I don't want to put this extra games on my player's body, and I also I want teams to have. To, I want to be good. I want to get good. My goal is not to make it easier for us to get in. My goal is for us to be actually good. And he's focused. Like I don't know. I think that he's got a vision for this program. And honestly, talking to folks uh, back home, I think that this it's an it's an unfinished business job is what he's got. He got really close. He got really close the first time, but didn't get over the hump. Couldn't beat Florida State. And couldn't get into the couldn't get into a major bowl game. Now he's done a major bowl game now, but he wants to he wants his team to be really good. And he cares and it matters, and his wife loves it there, and that's all like kind of wrapped up into one thing. And so to me, I think that he just is like, I don't don't make concessions. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think that it is showing that he's made his mark on his guys. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I think this is all this is all connected. You and UNC would have been in the playoff. They would have been in the playoff in nineteen was it ninety seven or ninety eight? When they finished four, they had to go to the Carquest Bowl. Cause they had one loss to Florida State. He's been close to the mountaintop at UNC. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think this year to do what they need to do to get close to that mountaintop again, you would need to be Clemson. They're not playing them in the regular season. So like, I don't see any, I don't see any path for them that doesn't include beating Clemson in the ACC champ game. I don't think you can get to the point in a 14 playoff where you have a chance without that. And yep. Is this a year that Clemson's gettable? Is Clemson one year away when you're breaking in a new quarterback? Still got talent, but is next year their year yeah. where it all comes together? 
maybe you're gettable. I, I don't know. Whenever we talk about like, I remember a couple years ago, Ryan Day's first year being like, yeah, this is the year that Ohio State was gettable. Talk yourself into it. That did not happen. Well, the, They're not gettable. I'll tell you what. This is the best thing that happened for Clemson for this season is that Trevor Lawrence had to sit out for a couple weeks so that your backup quarterback got to start games and get time. And that was, I think that that time that he played, including a huge game against Notre Dame, that's going to be invaluable for them. Because now he knows what he has to do and he knows what it ta- how, how to play. And as you replace, you figure out your running back position and you figure out your, your offensive line and you figure out who's going to be catching all the passes and these young guys are trying to step up. He's got experience now. And that's important. And it's not like scrub experience, you know, like a blowout experience. It's starting experience. He started two games for them, didn't he? That's huge. Yeah. I Yeah. And, and again, I think it's a little different when it's filling in for the guy. And we saw, again, we saw great stuff. Getting that experience. But also, you know, when I talk to Grace, mm-hmm. you know, she thinks next year's the year. Yeah, right? sure. And, and that makes total sense. Total sense. It, you know, is it's. The pattern of the great Clemson teams we have seen. Mm-hmm. Close, close. Things come together. Close, yes. close, close. Then this is it. Yes. Yes. Totally agree. So we'll see on that. I think that's going to be one of the more interesting storylines to follow. Um, hopefully this whets everyone's appetite a little bit for ACC Media Days. We will do – we will dive into the Recruiting Confidential Series next week, which I think is going to be yeah. really fun. But Felder, before we go – we got to do our last calls. And if anyone is new to the show, this part of the segment, this segment is for something we would cheers to at 2 a.m., something we would rant about at 2 a.m. By the way, this was interesting last week doing this with Matt Brown, who doesn't drink. So I was like, listen, we can just, uh, just you know, something you need to get angry about or cheers a Diet Coke to. It's fine. So I'm going to go with something that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cheers. My last call is going to all of the offensive linemen who have cashed in on NIL. The most college football thing that exists is that most of the deals I've seen cross the timeline have gone to offensive line. We have seen Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, I am told, the deal that he brokered for his offensive line at Pitt mm-hmm. is a very swanky restaurant. This is going to cost this restaurant a lot of money to feed that offensive line Good. every single week. We have seen sponsorships for the entire group, a place like Arkansas, all these places. I love that our big dudes up front are getting their due and that they are getting these deals as units. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it. Yep. I literally love to we see it. We talked about that, didn't we? We talked about Yes. We talked about it. Yeah, it's cool. It's so cool. And first of all, just, I mean, we've talked a lot about how, you know, NIL, everyone get your money. Um you know, do what you want to do. But I just love that, you know, three weeks in, one of the biggest talking points has been, well, female athletes have cashed in, but also that offensive lines have been some of the early winners. I just love that. So shout out, cheers to the O-line. Yeah. Um, mine is a cheer. Mine is like when your, your, your night didn't go the way you wanted it to go, but you did have fun still. And so I'm going with the WNBA because – I think they had the best all-star game maybe that I've ever watched because it was Team USA against a, another team of WNBA all-stars. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I am a humongous WNBA fan. I am this close, this close 
to the Chicago Sky becoming my WNBA team. Well, they should. No, I don't. Listen, I. Do you not feel local local allegiance? I don't. Does not matter. I have, as you know, Auerbach, I have no allegiance to Chicago. <laughs> None at all. But I love I love Vandersloot. Candace Parker is awesome. Holly Anderson is getting me sold on um, uh, Diamond to Shield. Like I love like the pl- I love the players, but I also love Liz Cambage. And Liz Cambage plays for the Aces. And watching her eat popcorn on the sidelines during the WNBA All Star game was so cool. And I just I love it. Like if you guys haven't if you haven't been watching the WNBA, I say check it out. So that's the happy part. Their All Star game was amazing. They're all for the Olympics. Because basically, the entire league is in the Olympics for Team USA, but also for like their own respective countries. Like Liz Cambage plays for Australia, obviously. Like they're not, so they they can't they're not playing basketball. So for three weeks, I won't be able to watch the WNBA, and I'm gonna be I am mad. I'm mad about it. I haven't been this I haven't been this upset about not being able to watch sports in a while, and. I'm, I guess I'm gonna have to watch the Olympics to watch to watch my teams, watch my watch my squadrons. But like, well, well, I mean, the Olympics are fun. I'm not a big Olympics. Maybe you should. Not, Maybe you should watch them. <laughs> I'm not, I listen. I watch in the Olympics. I watch women's soccer. I went to UNC, so of course I watch women's soccer. I watch field hockey. My uh, one of my good friends, his uh, wife is a goalkeeper for field hockey, or was a goalkeeper for field hockey. Shout out to Jackie Briggs. I watch um, and I, sometimes I watch a little bit of basketball, men's and women's. I don't. I'm not a big Olympics guy though. All right. Well, I am. I know. I'll be watching swimming. Listen, I'll be watching gymnastics. You're, I'll watch those sports. You're you're Sean McManus's favorite um, swimming writer. So shout out to that. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I will just say, watch the Olympics. Yeah. It will not kill you. It's a good idea. But I love your I love your WNBA f- fandom, and I think that's a great last call. Yeah. Um, and we will keep up with this, and you will eventually commit to the Chicago side. I, th- I think it is. I mean, watching Vandersloot play, it's she she's Courtney Vandersloot. She went to Gonzaga, right? I believe she is a she's like if she's like a cross between Steve Nash and Jason Kidd. Like a sick point guard where she averages, I think, 12 assists a game hour back. But she should probably average 18. But the problem is when she throws passes, her teammates aren't ready for it. Oh, this is totally your kind of player. I love her. I love what she's doing. And then you can see her get mad at them. And she's like, come on, man. Like you, I put the ball there. You could have had an easy layup. You weren't even looking. Pay attention. So, yes, that's... That's the rant part of it again, but I'm super excited. I really have been enjoying having the WNBA League Pass. Awesome. Well, that'll do it for this week's Power Hour. Thank you for listening. Um, We will get into Texas high school coaches, the most unique breed of any (laughs) group of high school coaches in the country. I just want to ask them about life advice at some point. Um, And we'll get into that next week. So if you're not already an Athletic subscriber, you can sign up at theathletic.com slash Nicole for 40% off. Andy Staples and Ari Wasserman will be back later this week as always. And we will be back next Tuesday for the next episode of Power Hour. Thanks for listening. 
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.